Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We are not doing this, however, without considering the works we are committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. We're going to continue our uh, Learning to Lead series. And as... I've been doing this, it's not just for the people who are a part of the Protégé program, but I'm definitely wanting it to uh, kind of relate to that. I think it's something that is uh, relatable to all of us in our faith to some degree. And I want to talk about conflict um, tonight, because if you are going to lead you are going to encounter conflict. If you are going to be involved with relationships, you are going to have conflict. And how we learn to deal with conflict is really, really important. So let's talk about that. But first, let's pause and let's pray. Lord, I pray that tonight we would have the ability to change our perception of conflict If it has been one of a negative, we can turn it into something that is actually has the possibility of being positive. Lord, that we wouldn't think of conflict as an enemy, but as an opportunity. And I pray, God, that you would help us in every way that we have as leaders to learn how to deal with with conflict so that we can be an encouragement to others and that we can be encouraged ourselves. And bless our time here tonight, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to talk tonight about how you roll up your cell phone cords. I'm going to talk about Elsa from Frozen. I'm going to be talking about kindergarten. Bless you. I'm going to be talking about having devotions at 4 a.m., and I'm going to talk about therapy, okay? Open with me to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, and we're going to start at verse 36 and read through to 41. 
It says, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And so when they were going to Pamphylia, John Mark withdrew because he was afraid. Paul doesn't want to take him. Barnabas does. Verse 39, and there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commanded, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Here we have an example in Scripture where Paul, the apostle, had contention with Barnabas, and the two of them had such strong contention that they actually separated. And I don't know how that makes you feel, but I I think that is something that is realistic. I think it's something that helps us to understand, well, if this happened with Paul and Barnabas, it's going to happen with us as well with people today. And and conflict is really the friction that takes place between people. But for movement to take place, any kind of movement forward, there, there has to be friction. It's impossible to move forward without conflicting thoughts or feelings. Whenever there's going to be a change, it's going to bring the idea of conflict into the situation. And moving forward is always an important thing. If we don't move forward, we are going to become obsolete in our ability to communicate, in our ability to be effective, and our ability to see the kingdom of God become a reality in the lives of those around us and in our life. And so for that to take place, there is going to be conflict in one form or another. But conflict is an opportunity. Peter Rollins, the theologian and prof- uh, theologian and uh, philosopher, that's the word I was thinking, I was going to professor, but he's a philosopher. He says that conflict or He says that the, where is his quote here? He says that war is the inability to have conflict. In other words, conflict is something that happens when there is actually interaction that takes place. And when you're unable to interact or conflict, that's when you see violence, that's when you see war take place. So conflict is actually a good thing if there's going to be change that needs to be made and if there's going to be progress. And and so instead of looking at conflict as a bad thing, see it as an opportunity for change. And see it that way in your own life and in your relationships with others. Whenever I feel agitated... I am trying, I'm saying I'm trying because I don't do this all the time yet, but I am trying to understand what needs to change in me. Why is this agitation taking place? Why am I letting things bother me? One of the things that bothers me are how cell phone cords get wound up. Okay, 
I like them to be wound up nice and loose so that they don't kink because there's really small wires in there. You know, I even have these little Velcro things that I've bought, like 50 of them, you know, or more. I bought like 100. And I put them on like all the cords I have because I like to be able to roll them up and Kareem contested these things. And then I put the Velcro on them and they're nice and neat. And that way they will last a nice long time. And so when I get one and it's got knots in it, and I'm not naming names because there's many people in the family, right? Even a few that use the same phones that I do. When I see that, it irks me. I was like, oh my gosh, why can't they just roll their cords up the way they're supposed to, right? Notice how I say the way they're supposed to, right? That's my thought, my concept. And when I feel that agitation, I have to stop and say, okay, why is this bothering me? Am I going to grow old and be one of those people who gets ticked off at everything that doesn't go his way? And I will if I continue to let cell phone cords be the things that agitate me, right? Those are the kinds of things that if I won't address it in me, I will just start seeing conflict is something that I have to fix in them and not seeing it what it needs to be doing inside of me. And so the problem is actually the answer, right? The problem that I'm facing in this conflict holds the answer of what needs to change in me to make myself better. And conflict is so much that way. And since we are going to have conflict with people in our family, with people who you work with, with people who are at the church, with people you serve with, with people who you are over in ministry or over at work or over whatever it is, you are going to have conflict. It's important then to understand how to deal with it in a way that's going to be productive and not destructive. And there are really kind of two categories of people when it comes to conflict. There are conflict avoiders and then there are conflict evokers. And and I want to talk about both of those because you are one or both of those, right? You're falling into one of those. Sometimes we'll fall into a little bit of both in some areas. And, And First, I want to say that there are positive things about those things. Uh, conflict evoker, good or avoider, good qualities. Uh, they are often good at not harboring little things like cell phone cords, right? Those things don't bother them. They avoid conflict, so little things, they can let those things go without a problem. They, they try and find a common ground, and they know how to maintain harmony in their relationships, Right? It's like, oh, I can let it go. We have this video of Daniel when he was small. He's just, you know, maybe three years old. And it was Christmas time and all the kids are getting their toys. And we just noticed it one day as we were watching the video. Daniel had this toy and he lost this little piece to this brand new toy. Right? He's just gone. And you see him looking all over for it. And as he's looking for it and he's come to this conclusion that I'm not going to find it, you see his shoulders just go, huh? Oh, well, I just guess I'm not going to find it. And it's like the cutest thing because he's just like, "Hmm, oh, well, I guess it's gone. You can just have this internal conversation. You see with his little shoulders because he lost this piece to a brand new toy and he just let it go. Some, those who avoid conflict are able to let things go easily. They're just like, no big deal. You know, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, strive for peace with everyone. 
And that's something that should override this idea of conflict. But those who are easy to let it go, those who avoid conflict, they can do that real easily. Okay, Avoiders tend to, though, have a negative as well. You see, avoiders tend to not really get to the heart of issues as well. The conflict avoider is the person who always seems on your side even when they're not. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like they say, oh, that's great, that's great, but they're not really for you. They don't support your decision. They just don't want conflict. And so they avoid the conflict and they say they're for you, but they're not really. And so there's a divisiveness that's taking place within them. And then later on, it can take place between people. And it might feel nice and kind, but eventually it catches up with you. Sometimes some conflicts are to be avoided, but sometimes they're not. You know, it's like Elsa in Frozen, right? She's not going to deal with conflict, and so she's going to let it go, right? Let it go, let it go. You know, I'm not going to let this bother me, you know, anyway, whatever it is. It kind of ends in that way. But I watched Frozen. She doesn't let it go. She's got to deal with it. She's got to restore her relationship with her sister. You can't let it go. You know, there's times where that sounds good, but it's not a reality. And there's sometimes where the idea of just letting things go can actually keep the progress from moving forward. And, And so in most cases, when we avoid conflict, we're not really avoiding. Rather, we're simply putting off the consequences of dealing with. And so that's a question to ask. Am I avoiding conflict or am I just trying to not deal with it? Because that's different. Oftentimes people who avoid conflict choose the comfort of avoidance rather than the honesty and courage it takes to engage into that conflict. And so the casualty avoiding the conflict is a lack of honesty and a lack of openness. I don't get to be open. Why? Because I'm just avoiding conflict. I don't get to tell you what's really going on inside of me because I just don't want to deal with the argumentative part of it. And so then we start to see that there's not depth if we're always trying to avoid things that are taking place. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus gives an example In verses 15 to 17, he says, if your brother sins against you, just ignore it and let it go away. No, he says, go and tell him his fault. So if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Why? Why would you want to go and tell him his fault? To make him feel bad? No, because he is in a bad place. He is in a fault. He he is in a place that's not healthy. So tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, this is important because I think one of the things that needs to take place is you need to make sure that your emotion in this situation isn't the only thing driving the situation. You take someone else and say, is it just me or is this wrong? And if someone says, it's not a big deal, man, let it go. It's like, okay, it's not a big deal. I can let it go. But they say, oh, you need to, you need to deal with this now or it's going to get worse. Okay, then let's go and talk to him. 
Okay? The whole idea here is to bring restoration. That's what we want. Go along, evidence of two or three witness. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, tell him to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In other words, if he is going to continue in this way, you don't treat him as you would a brother. You have to evangelize him, so to speak. You want to reach out to him. Treat him as someone who needs to understand who God is. That's the whole idea. We need to still reach him. We just have to do it in a different way. And so he's taken a different position. He doesn't have the, the closeness of family He's kind of looked at in in that way of, okay, he needs to understand who God is in his life a little bit more clearly. But again, this is dealing with how we don't ignore the fault. We go to the person and address it. You know, it's really practical and it's, again, ruthlessly idealistic because it doesn't always happen this way, right? Right? And it's giving us an idea that Jesus is wanting us to grab hold of. But in reality, these circumstances don't often work this well. You know, I've rarely had people who are doing something really bad get confronted with people and say, okay, yeah, now I see. Usually it's just, no, I don't want to change. And how we do it is going to be important. We'll talk about that definitely. Um, Forgiveness is not pretending everything is okay. Okay, forgiveness doesn't mean saying it didn't really happen or it didn't really matter. If that was true in either of those cases, you don't need forgiveness. You just need to clear up a misunderstanding. Okay? And so forgiveness isn't pretending things don't happen or saying they don't matter. Forgiveness is when it did happen and it does matter and you're going to deal with it and end up loving and accepting one another again. So think about that in relationships. When you are hurt by someone, for whatever it is, they said something, they did something. Forgiveness isn't pretending it didn't happen and numbing yourself to the event. It is acknowledging that it happened. It is addressing the things that happened, saying this matters to me. I don't wanna live like it doesn't matter because what I want is reconciliation with us once again. You see, conflict avoiders will not open that door because it's too messy. I don't want to confront that person who did me wrong because I don't want to deal with it in those areas. And that's the hard truth. Avoiding conflict creates unhealthy relationship cultures for Two main reasons. First, it diminishes the value and need for honesty within the relationships, which then starts to foster pretending. You pretend you're okay when you're not. And then there becomes passive-aggressive attitudes, right? Because you say you're okay, but I know you're not okay. And I know what's wrong, but we're just ignoring what's wrong. We're pretending it's not there, but it is. Okay, and the second reason is it stifles the relational courage and vulnerability needed for healthy relationships to exist. You don't want to stay at a place where you're not free to tell the truth, even though it hurts. And and so sometimes that avoidance is the 
thing that keeps you from stepping into it. And so then the question is, is honesty really worth the fallout? Because there is going to be fallout. Is the honesty worth the fallout that you're going to encounter when you deal with whatever it is? Is vulnerability really worth the rejection that you might face? And the answer is yes, it's worth it. It's worth it with one disclaimer. It's worth it if it's done the right way, but that doesn't mean doing conflict resolution perfectly has to happen because it rarely does. The whole idea is you want to try and do it in a way of humility. You want to do it in a way that's love, loving, where we're trying to do these things. So what are some of the reasons people avoid conflict? Fear. Fear stops us from telling the truth. We're afraid that people will get angry, disappointed. We're afraid that they'll get volatile and unpredictable emotions are going to have to. We're afraid of the, the dread that it's going to cause, the unknown results that it's going to raise in the issue. We're afraid of where it's going to take us because it's unknown. And so we need courage if we're going to get past the fear of conflict and confrontation. We need to be courageous. And remember, courage isn't the absence of fear, but it's the determination to do something that's more important in spite of the fear, okay? It's more important that this get resolved than me be afraid to go there. And sometimes what we need if we're an avoider of conflict is courage. I just need to be courage, the courage to step into this so that I can bring about a deeper relationship. I remember when I was in kindergarten, there was this young little girl. I have no idea what her name was. Um, but I remember I had a crush on her. Um, she had a little pixie haircut, and that's kind of all I remember. Um, but I also remember that she talked all the time. And, and I remember that the teacher one time finally had to tell her, she said her name, and she told her, you don't have to tell us everything. And I remember thinking, oh, that's what she's doing. She's telling us everything, right? And, and so what, one of the things we learn in kindergarten is that, you know, not everything we think should be said out loud, right? And that's true. And even those things that ought to be said out loud and honestly aren't always going to be received. And so how do you then, when God wants you to engage in conflict through telling the truth, how do you do it? Well, you know, if you struggle with avoiding and you need points of reference to guide you in how to do it, um, I want to try and give you some like markers and some scriptures that will help solidify the importance of it. And so one, I want to ask, are you taking responsibility for your own emotions? Are you responding from your own unresolved anger? Remember the words of Paul, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of doesn't mean you suppress your feelings. Get rid of means you actually deal with them so that they are no longer a part of you. And so sometimes that takes counseling. Sometimes that takes, you know, the conversation with people to identify what those things are. Be honest about 
where and how you've been wronged, um, maybe the things that you're oversensitive in, understanding those things. Reflect on what part of your own thinking is right and what part is unhealthy or misguided. Um, Our emotions always signal something. They're telling you something. And we have to deal with them, but we have to deal with them not like they're always right. Sometimes our emotions are lying to us. Okay, they're telling us things that aren't true. They're just trying to, you know, kind of soothe themselves. And so we don't need to shame ourselves for having emotion, but we certainly shouldn't avoid dealing with them either. Our responsibility is to pay attention to the emotions, invite God and maybe trusted friends into this conversation to help us identify what the emotions are doing. Um, Don't ignore them. Don't try to kill them off. Don't try to pretend they didn't exist and pay attention to what's going on and prayerfully consider the root of those emotions. You could even, you know, go through and read some things out loud or pray out loud to try and help you to hear that voice through the time of emotions. At least it's helpful many times. Number two, are you willing or are you withholding what someone really needs to hear? If you're avoiding conflict, ask yourself, does someone really need to hear this? You've got a a friend and they are, you know, flirting with uh, drugs or some things that just aren't healthy with them. And you don't want conflict. You don't want to confront them. And so you just, okay, well, I'll just pray for them. Well, are you hurting them by not confronting them? In other words, are are they really needing to hear what you have to say because it's taking them down a bad way? And if you don't speak up, then you're stopping the possibility of the conversation turning where they're at. Proverbs 27.5 said, it's better to correct someone openly than to have love and not show it. See, actually correcting someone openly is oftentimes a way you show love. And so sometimes we need to do that. Sharing a difficult truth with someone always creates an opportunity to grow. And so are you withholding what someone really needs by not dealing with conflict? Three, What do you do when someone who has authority over you is at fault? That's a tough one. What do you do when your boss has treated you wrong, but he writes the paycheck? What do you do when your pastor has done you wrong, but he's your pastor? Or maybe you see him in the wrong. You know that he's done something wrong. He's taken money that wasn't supposed to be his. I don't know how many times I've heard accounts of people who have caught the pastor embezzling and then don't know how to address it. And so what do you do when someone who has authority over you is in fault? The kingdom way is to approach them and to do it again in humility, tact, love, and wisdom. We see a priceless example with Nathan and David in 2 Samuel chapter 12, where David has lost sight of his relationship with God, apparently, and he has taken his power for granted. He took Bathsheba, another man's wife, as his own. He killed her husband to cover up the sin that she was pregnant. 
What do you do when God tells you and makes it known to you, the king has done this? And Nathan does a great job, right? He gives him an illustration. And you guys know the story. Hey, where's this man? He was wealthy. He had all the sheep. And then he went and stole this one man's sheep who was just his prized possession. And he took it and killed it. What should be done? And David, that man should be killed. As long as I'm living, he needs to be put to death. And then he says, David, you're that man. And he busted him. I always want that kind of wisdom, right? I'm always looking at examples and I'm saying, okay, how could I pull a Nathan on this situation? You know, how could I, you know, ask the question, you know, what would happen? And it just, it really is the wisdom of God to be able to do something like that. But that's so, so important to be able to do that and to recognize that. This is, you know, the same David who had humble beginnings as the shepherd but had lost that when he rose to power. Okay, David's lost. How do you deal with someone who's over you? Well, you recognize that maybe they've lost their way or they need to be returned to this place. You know, his way began by abusing his power. He was blind to it. Do you want to be under the leadership of someone who will not address or deal with their faults? You see, sometimes it's better to address it and deal with the fallout than to stay in that position. And so you have to kind of confront that because what do you do? It could just get a whole lot worse. Okay, yeah, now they're, you know, stealing from the company. Now the company goes over. Now you don't have a job. What happened? Well, I'd never confronted them. Maybe it could have changed things. Maybe not. Again, it's up to them too. Four, do you have unresolved tension? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. And so if there's conflict, is it because you have tension against a situation that you've never resolved? Okay, if you sense some tension between you and another person, initiate a conversation around the source of friction. You know, when you said this, it really hurt my feelings. Okay, because maybe you're harboring tension about something they said. And they might say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it that way at all. And then it's resolved and then you finish eating Mexican food. You know, everything goes well. But maybe it's actually touching on something that has deeper roots and you need to kind of address it. We often allow conflict to remain underground. We do this, you know, and in a matter of time, it's just or it's just a matter of time before the roots take and it produces something ugly and its ugly head pops out later on down the line and now it's worse. And so if there's unresolved tension, are you not dealing with it? What if someone does you wrong? Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17, right? Jesus, we just read that. He talks about dealing with those things. Go to that brother. If he doesn't listen, go with two people. There is no room for talking about someone unless you first talk with them. Don't talk about what someone has done if you have not talked with that someone and what they have done. There's no room for that, okay? That's gossip. 
And, and gossip is the easiest thing to get away with. We need to be careful not to engage in those things unless we've engaged with those things with the person. The offense has to remain between the two people, if at all possible. If not, then it goes outside of that. I talked to this person. They still are doing this. How should we address it? Okay, after you talk to that person, and the whole point is how do we reconcile? How do we get them back on the place? That's what we want. Other group of people are those who create conflict, those who evoke conflict. And and again, conflict is going to happen. So it's not a bad thing. And so I want to show positives about the people who evoke conflict because oftentimes the people who evoke conflict, they're activists. They're the kinds of people who get things done. They're the kind of people who aren't afraid to jump in. There are people who take a a leading role who are willing to challenge the status quo. You know, that's, that's not good. We need to do it better, right? Well, someone did it that way, and now there's conflict because you're saying the way they did it isn't the best way to do it, and so now that raises conflict, but it changes things. And so those who evoke conflict are often people who lead the charge on change and things that need to change. And those are the positive things. They're willing to challenge the status quo, uh, the things that are no longer viable. They need to be changed. Those are people who tend to attract followers because of their willingness to fight forward. For this to be a positive, though, it has to have the correct motivation. Ephesians 4.15, it says to speak the truth in love. Okay, we're also to do this in humility. So you want change, but you want it for the right reason. And it's not there to prove that person is wrong or you're right. It is to make things better. And that's the idea. They have to have that ability to be spoken with. In James chapter 3, verse 17, says, The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, Open to reason. I love that. You can talk about those things. Full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. So those are some things that should accompany the people who want to bring change. They have these qualities about them. People who are like this often feel that if they are not fighting for something, then they're useless. Right? If I'm not bringing a change, I'm doing nothing. And so there's kind of a a restlessness in these people because they want things to change. And so they're going to step into these things. But there are some signs that maybe you or someone you know is a person who is like this. Because sometimes you evoke conflict not even being aware that you're evoking conflict. So What are some of the things that take place? You have a hard time understanding why you seem to be the only one who expresses anger and discontentment, or you can't grasp why others don't seem like they're being honest and communicative with their frustrations. If you feel that way, you're probably a conflict evoker. This happened to me one time where we were required at the church I was at Sunday mornings to get at the office building and have a devotion at 4 a.m. 
before we loaded up all the material and took it and set it up and then did the services and then tore it down and brought it back. We were required to get up and be there. I think it was 4 a.m. Felt like 4 a.m. I had just had twins. I didn't have them. Corrine had them. But we had just had twins when this had happened, and I was dying. And I had heard other people saying, oh, man, this 4 a.m. thing is killing me. And so when the, I mean, not just one other person, I heard about five other people say, this is rough. You know, I'm having a hard time getting up at four when we're always at the, yeah, this is rough. So there in the group at 4 a.m., the pastor, you know, is talking to us. Any have any questions? And I raised, I said, I'm having a hard time. This is difficult. I've got the twins and I'm not sleeping and I'm delirious and you're, you know, you're requiring us to come in and I just think this is a little difficult. And I remember the pastor saying, does anyone else feel this way? And no one else raised their hand. And I was just like, you dirty, rotten people. You know, it's like sometimes you just want to see things happen and you get frustrated when other people won't step out. And so that was a conflict with me, okay? I wanted to see a change happen, and I was very frustrated that no one else was on board with that, especially when I knew they were. Um, You're quicker to speak and slower to listen. That's a trait of people who evoke conflict. It's not a good thing, right? Quicker to speak, slower to listen. Again, if any of these stand out to you, you can mark this as, oh, that's me, or, oh, that's them, Okay, just be aware of these things that are there, especially in yourself. You feel misunderstood quite often, and people might assume you're on a power trip. In reality, you perceive yourself as more intense and passionate than just other people. You find yourself easily offended and struggle not to retaliate when your ego gets bruised. Someone challenges you, and you immediately put up a wall, right? Why are you so defensive? Because you're a person who's kind of stepping into these things. It'll happen a lot. You find it difficult to share power and control with others. You're more comfortable when you're in charge and calling the shots. Does that resonate with anybody? No, just me? Let's read. No, okay. Sometimes I just feel like it's easier if I just do it, right? Why? Because that's how I see how it is. I don't want other people to change what it is I'm doing. Um, You notice that conflict seems to follow you and you're not sure why. Conflict always is around me. I don't know why. Um, You've been affirmed for your tough-mindedness. However, you've also been told that you can be insensitive and unsympathetic to what people are going through or how they respond to your style of communications. Anyone ever been told you're a little insensitive? I have. I've been told that. You're easily frustrated with how things are being handled, led or executed more specifically about what's not being addressed. All right? Those kinds of things, you're frustrated. Oh, I don't like the way that's happening. You're probably a person who evokes conflict. Again, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's part of how you step into these things. You're often more concerned with hashing it out or debating than restoring the relationship. 
That's not a good thing. Gosh, that used to define me to a T. I just like to debate. And then finally I had to say, what am I doing? Why am I debating if I'm not trying to resolve things? It's just not Christ-like. You struggle with discerning between appropriate boldness and borderline cruelty. (laughs) You've been complimented on your courage and your aptitude for shooting straight with people, although a strength, it lends itself to evoking conflict. Your fears are usually more about letting things go than actually addressing things head on. And that's not hard for you to address things head on. You know, in retrospect, if you feel like you're easily frustrated or angered or offended or misunderstood, you may unintentionally fall into this evoking category. Or if you feel the need to be in control and find it difficult to share power with others, you probably evoke more conflict than you realize. In other words, like, no, my intentions are good, but other people are sensing that conflict. And so just being aware of that, because again, it's not conflict in itself isn't bad, but if you're one of these people, you might not realize that your straightforwardness actually causes conflict in other people. Sometimes you just need to be aware of it. I'm being straightforward, so don't be surprised when people are a little sensitive and hurt. You just have to then try and undergird it and strengthen them and help them to understand, I don't mean this in a personal way. I'm trying to get to this thing. And it just takes more time. Again, sometimes that's difficult. If you feel the need to be in control, find it difficult to share power with others, again, you're going to evoke the conflict. You might have been accused of being abrasive or harsh. Um, Avoiders shy away from the fight. You find it hard not to confront someone when they've offended you or to say what you think. Sometimes that's it. Now, again, you might find yourself fitting in both of these categories. You know, some of the negative things that show up with conflict or if you respond to this kind of frame that you're in in a negative way, uh, when you give feedback to the others, they might feel more beat up than invested in. Okay, so if you're not doing this well, you're just basically beating up. And people who are in leadership roles do this a lot. They have the authority and they don't think they have to answer to people, so they're just going to tell them how it is, and people start feeling beat up, right? They start feeling a little bit abused by these people. They seem more harmed than helped. When you engage in conflict, people might feel as though their side wasn't heard or understood because they felt bullied. If you're going to be a leader especially in the kingdom of God, then Jesus said you're to be the servant of all. So if you're going to evoke change and it causes conflict, they better not feel bullied to have that change. Not from a leader who is overseeing in the church, right? But a lot of times that's how people feel if you don't do things the right way. I felt bullied. I've made people feel bullied, I've been on both sides. It's important to recognize those things. When people disagree with you, they might feel as if they've personally insulted you because of how strongly you respond, okay? And so they don't want to challenge you ever again because you're so adamant on, hey, it's my way, this is the way I'm going to do it, boom. And so you respond in such a harsh way that they just back off. 
when people feel hurt by you or when people feel hurt by you, they may never bring it up for fear that you will reject or alienate them. And it hinders healthy communication. It hinders biblical unity. And so these are things that take place if you're a person who evokes conflict. And we got to be aware of these things just like we need to be aware if we're a person who avoids conflict. Most people don't have the courage or the patience to engage in relational tension. So we respond in one of two ways. We avoid it or we dominate it. Especially those in leadership have a responsibility to love in way that we approach conflict with those people who are in disagreement with. I believe that the fiercest kind of leaders create an atmosphere of love, trust, and approachability rather than tension, fear, and inaccessibility. And that's something I have to strive to do. You see, I always think, well, I think I'm approachable. I'm not against anyone. Then why doesn't anyone approach me? They always go to my wife, right? They always go talk to her. Oh, you know, can you tell Sam, why didn't they come to me? Something in me was unapproachable. How can I be aware of that? What is that? How can I put a button on that and name it and change it? Okay? Because I want to be approachable. Because I realize I, I there are sometimes I avoid conflict, but I am a person who will evoke it. At least that's been my history. And so I don't want to then come across in a way that's unapproachable. Okay? I mean, I think I fit in both those categories. You might find yourself in that too. If we're going to move forward, we need to not shy away from conflict, but have the right attitude in it. Ephesians 4, verse 2 and 3 gives us some of the right attitude. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is the attitude we have. Colossians three twelve to 14 Put on, then, as God, chosen, chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kind, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, as you also must forgive. And above all, put these... Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. And the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps... Grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. I love that passage because it deals really with the whole thing. It talks about confronting, but it also talks about being gentle. It talks about being patient. It really is the attitude. Avoiders. What happens relationally is the tensions that develop in this attitude of avoidance. Is there... An elephant in the room that you never talk about with the person you have tension with. In other words, if there's someone, and it might be someone here at the church 
say it's in an area of leadership, someone who you minister with, is there an area of confrontation that you always feel but you always avoid? Every time you enter the room, that's there, but you don't touch it. It could be with family. Boy, this happens with husbands and wives. There's an elephant in the room. I don't want to talk about this, but it's always there. And so now we avoid those things. You know, your, your wife found pornography on your computer, but she doesn't want to address it, doesn't want to deal with it, and so avoids it. But every time she sees you, especially sees you on the computer, the elephant is in the room. You deal with it, right? Something has happened and you avoid it and don't want to deal with it. What happens to the tension? It just grows. It just grows. And it happens with ministry. So if you have tension with someone, they've said something that really, every time you see them, you think of what they said to you. If you let that tension go, it starts to fester. It starts to grow into something that's bad. How do you deal with it? Do you need guidance? Do you need assistance? Do you need counseling to help you get past it? Those are things that are important to step into it. People who are conflictors, think about how did your family deal with conflict? See, when I went to therapy, I was trying to deal with one thing, and then the doctor said, what about your family? I was like, oh, that's, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about this problem here. But really, it had to do with my family and my roots. How did you deal with conflict? Well, we argued. We just got louder. This is how we dealt with conflict. So how did your family deal with conflict? Are you imitating what you grew up with? If you're a person who engages in conflict, are you just imitating what you grew up with? If so, maybe it needs to change. Maybe you do need to have that kind of therapy. You know, we started off this pa- this talk with Paul and Barnabas and the conflict that they had that caused them to separate. It doesn't say it was good. It doesn't say it was bad. It just says it happened. Isn't that bother you? Don't you wish the scripture says, and this was a bad thing. Well, was it a bad thing? Was it a good thing? Maybe it was both. Maybe it had bad qualities. Maybe it had good qualities. That's possible, right? But what I love about this is that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 to 11, Paul is talking and he says uh, how some people have done him wrong. And he says, Luke alone is with me. And then he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. This is the same John Mark that he would not bring with him on the journey because of conflict and because he failed. Now he wants him here. And I love that at the end of these years, Paul is seeing restoration take place. So that person who had caused the conflict is now a part of what you're seeing as needful. I think Paul went through a change. I'm sure Mark did too. But it's great that there was the ability to have the conflict and the ability to change. In other words, like, okay, you did me wrong. Boom, that's it. For the rest of your life, I'm never going to deal with you. That didn't take place. At the end, 
when Paul is writing his last letter, he says, oh, and bring Mark. He's useful to me. I think that's beautiful. Beautiful way to see conflict resolved, even though it still took place. So conflict, you're going to deal with it. You better deal with it. And you need to learn to deal with it right. I think that's something we all need to learn. Are there any questions about the things that I shared or any thoughts regarding conflict maybe that have come up since I started saying some of this? Yeah, and sometimes it depends on who it's with. You know, it might be family, we're in one way, and then at work, we're another way. Um, Sometimes it shows up in different ways like that. You know, you can't resolve everything. You know, you can't resolve all the conflicts that are there, especially when it's involving other people. They're as much a part of what happens too, but as much that lies within you, live at peace with all men. You know, as much as you can bring peace, you're to try to... Even learning to disagree, but do it agreeably. You know, learning to have a variance. Like there's people who are part of my family in Christ who I do not see eye to eye with, you know, and how they see things. And I still need to be able to sit with them. I should be able to eat with them. I should be able to break bread with them. I should be able to laugh with them. I should be able to have good communication with them, even if it's in, you know, conflict of areas. Um, You know, I love the example of Nathan and David. Nathan had to be careful how he approached David because David could have killed him. You know, and Nathan didn't just go, hey, David, you did this. That's how it is. You know, Nathan went and said, here's a a story. Again, there's those stories. And look what happened in the story. What's the right thing? What's the wrong thing? And David saw the right thing. And then he says, okay, I want you to see yourself in that story. I mean, sometimes we can't do exactly that, but doing something similar to that because people never respond well to accusation, at least never in my life. No one who I've ever accused of something has responded well. And, you know, it's important that we understand that so that we don't fall into that trap. Instead of coming at someone and saying, hey, you did this, you know, it's like, hey, can we talk about a situation, you know, and then start maybe asking how do you feel it went? You know, so it's tough. Well, I think timing does have a lot to do with it. I think wisdom is an important part of that. You know, there's times where people are susceptible to things. I mean, even in relationships, I think most of the arguments that happen in marriages are all about timing. You know, it's like she's mad at me and I'm being a real nice guy at the time, you know. And then when she's being really nice, I'm stubborn, you know, and it's so it's really having the timing right, seeing the person having the right heart uh, accessible. If you see someone, you know, if if I'm talking to someone who's intoxicated, it's going to limit my conversation. You know, it's like, okay, you're drunk, you know, I'm not going to try and press into something deep with someone who's intoxicated. Why? Because it it's just doesn't make sense. It's not the right time. You know, and the same thing could be in a person's angry or a person's, you know, 
not in a, a frame of mind to receive it. Again, the problem is if it's something that needs to be addressed and confronted and you never do, you know? So how do you, when do you, yeah, those all come into play. I mean, there's always conflict. There's always conflict. Even between best of friends, there's conflict. Should we get pizza or Chinese? You know? No. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always conflict. You know, even in the best situations, how to do things, there's different ideas. That's conflict. You know, it's not all bad. And if you can see progress as, you know, part of it, then you, you approach it in the right frame of mind. You know, if your work situation, you see talking to your boss is going to make work better, well, then you're moving in the right direction. You know, it's not like I'm going to prove you wrong. It's like, no, I want business to be better with us, and this is how I have to present it, you know. Because now your goal is admirable, it's positive, it's progressive. Do these people have access to the boss to talk to them? Well, I mean, if that's your role, I know sometimes they have mediators and unions and stuff like that where those things take place. Um, so sometimes that has to happen, you know, in that scenario. And so... You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to reel through all the differences, and, and some of them overlap each other, you know, um, but it, there's so many nuances to conflict and what takes place in us and what takes place in our perception, um, what actually takes place in action. You know, there's some things that are definitive. You know, if someone physically hurts you, you know, that's a different kind of fun conflict than someone says oh you're stupid you know and you take it personally you know and they meant it jokingly you know it's like those are differences but and how you deal with them is different but they encompass so much you know and they can involve so much you know and sometimes sometimes you meant to do the right thing by not saying anything but because you didn't deal with it internally it exploded. It's like, oh, I'm not going to say anything because I'm going to just get angry, yeah. right? But you have to do something with that. Otherwise, your anger doesn't go away, you know? And so a lot of times, avoidance, um, it's like we think it's a good thing. You know, I'm going to avoid this. I'm going to avoid this so I don't get in a, a fight. But if we don't deal with it the right way, it becomes a fight. Eventually, it just explodes, you know? So, yeah, that happens Maybe once in my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I got to move me into work a while back at the toy store. <laughs> 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 you started beating on that kid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stream of profanity was still floating over Cleveland. Uh, yeah. What? I think, yeah, I think we're all in this. But I, I think, you know, Jason, even as Beth mentioned, how then do you release that next time? You know, how do you learn how or learn, you know, not to let it build up? What, what are ways that you can d deal with that so that you don't stuff it down and then it explodes? You know, I mean, sometimes prayer can be one of the outlets that you can start going to that starts dealing with your emotion Sometimes talking 
to someone about things. Again, not talking about a person, but about a situation that you're dealing with. Um, you know, that's very helpful. I mean, there's been times where there was a conflicting situation in my life and I called some people who I knew had been through similar situations. And I said, hey, I'm here. What should I do? And they gave me really good advice. Really good advice at that time. And they, some of them said, don't do anything right now. You know, you need to wait and you need to pursue this before you do anything. And it's like, I'm so glad I called these people because their advice was really wise for the situation I was dealing with. Because they'd been there. They'd gone through and made the mistakes that I was about to make. And they helped me not make them. So reaching out is important to those things, those people. Any other thoughts or questions? Okay. The more you guys work together, the more there's going to be opportunity for conflict. Let it be progressive. Let it be helpful. Don't run away from it. Don't let your relations suffer because of it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Allow yourself to be better because of it and move to healthy places. Let's pray. Father, I am aware that there are times where I'm even in conflict with you. Uh, and you always are there to deal with my issues. You are always uh, loving. You are always revealing. You are always encouraging. And there's sometimes you're not apologizing, Lord. And these are all good things at the times that I need it. And may we learn to do the same in our relationships with others. Help us to see that conflict is an opportunity for progress if we will have the vision to see the progression that needs to take place. And so I pray you give us wisdom. And Lord, I pray for everyone here who is in some way relating to each other, uh, serving with one another, where there's going to be disagreements on how to do things or what to do. Um, I, I pray, Lord, that this would be helpful for those times that we would not take things so personally, but we'd reflect before we react. Uh, give us that understanding at the time. Lord. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.